This is Ben, your bookie's wife. Uh, the sports gambling podcast that will only continue doing this podcast in exchange for a pint of blue belt mint chocolate chip ice cream delivered every Friday. The real ones know, and I'm Joe Public, joined by Rain Man and Capper. Uh, we're going to be talking a little college football, but we're actually going to focus on the series finale of Better Call Saul for most of the episode. So to start things off, Capper, uh, besides Cinnabon, who was your MVP of uh, season six of Better Call Saul? Um, give me Rhea Seahorn herself, Kim Wexler. Um, just an absolute dynamite performance by her. Um, pulled it all together. She was a she was a co-protagonist by the end of this thing. She won an Emmy on that bus. Yep. I believe uh, I believe it's pronounced Ray, but good effort. Uh, not an MVP effort from you, but uh, Rain Man, who you got as your MVP of season six? Better call Saul. Oh, Joe, you are going to hate asking me that question. The MVP of season six of Better Call Saul is Nebraska football, the Cornhuskers, and Taylor Martinez, one of the 25 years of Martinez quarterbacks to play at Nebraska, which set up the coolest stash and grab in TV history with the three of each clothing items from the department store in the mall. Uh, Also, my honorable mention goes to the fake Cinnabon smell. Uh, Just delightful. No, I do. It's fucking, it's Ray. Yeah, it's, yeah Ray. it's Ray. R E J. R-E-G-A. I didn't even pronounce you. that right. It's on me. Maria. Daya. Listen, man, it's the real coach JB here. Man, I hear you've been hanging out with the wrong fucking crowd like a slapdick you are, man. Everybody thought you were fucking smart and all that shit because you watch CNN and MSNBC and fucking Fox News and all that. Sounds like you're a fucking dreamer. You're getting dumber. Get your fucking ass figured out. Go watch the real show. Watch. We will ban your bookies, wife. Step your game up. Stop being a slap dick. Make today a great day. All right, this is Bang Your Bookies Wife. You can follow us on Instagram at Bang Your Bookies Wife. Uh, we got uh, yeah, we're getting getting ramped up for the season. Uh, we got a bit of bit of housekeeping to take care of uh, as we as we get going. Uh, First thing I want to put a call out to our listeners, we are going to be continuing our BYBW King of the Hill co- contest. Uh, last year, I remember, what was our streak of King of the Hill pickers that got their pick wrong? I think it got to 11 in a row. Yeah, we uh, just to show... Uh, Someone fact-checked that. The, our, uh, it was, it was Par- Parvacolis, I believe, that uh, broke the streak. But yeah, our King of the Hill contest is we... Uh, Bring on one of you, the listener. We we have you make a pick for us. If you get it correct, you get to come back the next week to get eternal glory. Man, we've had some horrible picks, um, but we're excited to run it back. If you are a past contestant who has lost, we might be willing to welcome you back, um, particularly the babbler. Uh, I would love to see the babbler run it back one more time. Um <laughs> Maybe addition- we could get one of those manscaped 21-year-olds from college to come on and promote their product and do a pick. Yeah, uh, because they're no longer a sponsor. Bring that bit back. I'm just going to tell you, Manscaped clips your balls. Uh, it it sucks. There's nothing yeah, good about terrible. it. It's terrible. It's a horrible product, and it's promoted by horrible people. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Not us. <laughs> those, Not us, those, buddy. Those fucking idiots kept sending us razors. They just kept sending us razors. <laughs> Uh, I, still, I actually still use the nose hair trimmer. I still, oh, I was like, gonna my say my nose hairs aren't that thick, but it gets caught all the time. I'm uh, I'm not letting I'm not letting it's those terrible. death traps near my flesh again. Hell no. 
we're uh, Rain Man. Uh, you also wanted to walk through. Uh, you, so Rain Man Capper once. Yeah, we I, go, I can we just a give s- a quick recap of how this season's going to go, go for the new li- for the new listeners. Uh, so so next week's going to be our week zero practice pod. We'll probably pick the whole slate. Maybe we'll ignore the really boring games no one wants to watch. That will not count to our season record. <laughs> then we get into the meat week one through the regular season where, as you guys know, me and Capper will pick four games a week and then it'll add to our total. And then we're going to make a big season-long bet this year. So the loser's going to have to do something really onerous and really bad because it's a long, long-term bet and we want to incentivize effort so not only are our wallets impacted, but also our dignity, so that you, the listeners, can benefit from our picks. Uh, I don't know what that looks like. And then Joe, of course, will be doing his parlay, which I would recommend fading, given course of history, but to each his own. Feeling so that, that's what that's going to look like. So we'll also take submissions, uh, DMs on our Instagram or our Gmail for any season-long bet ideas. I, I, don't, I don't really have any yet. The stream of conscious would be something really boring along the lines of, you know, those terrible daily podcasts they do on Sunday called the Sunday read. I have an idea of this. I have this 450 page book. I want Capper to read and he's not going to read it unless he's forced to. So I'm thinking maybe a book report on that, but we can do better. So that's the null hypothesis. We got to top that. You're a monster. Uh, there's no shot Capper has ever or will ever read a 450 page book, but I yeah, Capper, when was the last time you read a book over 150 pages? Which would be the the demarcation that line for a novella? Ma- that doesn't novel. Ran- that doesn't rhyme with Larry Otter. Not since I started betting on college football. <laughs> when did you start betting on college football? Like when, when you were fourteen years old. What? It's like it's like it's like dog years at this point. <laughs> oh man! If I man, I hope this podcast just becomes an investigation into the remarkable fact that Capper, in fact, cannot read. Uh, it would make everything you do so much more impressive. Capra, Capra looks at Twitter so much, I wouldn't be surprised if you can't string two full pages together without looking at a cell phone in between. I'm definitely a learned man who can read the first 50 pages of any book you bring to me. <laughs> I honestly don't think so. Bet. I really, Infinite Jest. Let's go. I don't think you can make done it, it to the first. I think there's done so it many twice, books. actually, on Infinite Jest. There's so many. You've done it twice. There's so many books farther. you can make it through the first 50 pages of. I actually like that. That's probably the best bet we can do sam Aurelian would be prescient given the new lord of the rings podcast coming on 50 pages of that would be tough oh i that I'll, this is I'll lock related it in. this is related we're the pod we're in talk we might we might might just we're do, in talks uh a lord of the rings recap pod we'll start from the first step uh some of us have read all the books myself i haven't Honestly, I looked at the trailer. I think the show kind of looks like dog shit. I'd love to just shit all over each episode. I would love. I'm worried about the CGI. I'm really, really worried about the green screens and CGI. Can, can any of the listeners guess which which of the three hosts have read all the Lord of the Rings books? <laughs> yeah, we can guess. <laughs> I guess we know now by process of elimination. I, I think it might be the one who goes by Rain Man. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Best guess, but well, but, so the reason why we might be doing a Lord of the Rings podcast, it's not because the TV show looks especially good. Uh, there, there are two reasons. One is because the Ringers are going to do it, and they're going to do it terribly. But more important, I really like the idea of the name BYBW or Bang Your Bookie's Wife. One pod to bang them all. One pod to bang them all. Yeah, it's I pretty think much that's all what we got. Call them. 
One pod to bang them all is pretty good. <laughs> that, 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 a friend helped with that one. There, there was a lot of synergies going. Not all my idea, but it's a very good name. So, uh, man, if you, if you don't like our college football coverage, oh boy, will you fucking hate our Lord of the Rings takes. But be on the lookout for that. <laughs> uh, but for now, uh, we, uh, so we, we did a recap of the succession uh season finale a while ago uh we do like watching things other than college football so all of us are we're in a better call saw we figured this would be a good time to maybe discuss the series finale of what i think many consider one of the best shows ever made i think that is fair it seems to have reached an echelon of that but we can discuss that later but if you have not watched better call saw yet you don't want any spoilers you don't give a shit about the show uh, stop listening. Stop listening now. Why did you even turn yeah, it's it It's fine. Stop listening and hit us up. Use your free time to hit us up and give us ideas for this coming season. And uh, you can, uh, you should watch, uh, you should watch it. First two seasons, a little bit slow, but once it gets going, pretty good. Uh, pretty good. So I think, like, I- I'm going to go through the actual episode in a little more detail, but I'd like to just get first impressions from both of you. Uh, Capper, first impressions of... Uh, we can say the series finale specifically. Um, I thought it was great. Um, I don't know that I was expecting the full turn at the end um, by slipping Jimmy, Gene, um, Saul Goodman. Uh, I thought that it was beautifully written. I thought the scenes with um, Kim Wexler at the very end were like just beautiful and i like i loved it i i thought the finale was perfect and pulled it all together fair enough uh rain man what are your thoughts so i am not sure that i love the redemption arc that happens at the end of this episode for jimmy mcgill that being said given that as i sat with it over the last day and a half given that uh, our friend eisenberg right heisenberg did Heis. not get that redemption arc in breaking bad I actually kind of like the fact that Jimmy McGill got a got a fragment of a redemption in Better Call Saul. Uh, I I thought this uh, overall. I thought it was. I thought it. I thought it got over the finish line pretty well while sticking with one of the tenets that made the show great, which is at its core, Better Call Saul. A lot of its best episodes they were kind of similar to a heist movie in that there was usually a plan that was discussed and you don't see, but you never saw all the angles of it until it unfolded. And they gave us a little bit of that in this last episode, which I thought was cool. And they did it in a kind of unique way. Um, but I guess to start off, we're going to jump into just sort of the synopsis and we'll stop and sort of talk through it as we go. Uh, so the episode, we had a flashback show conversations. Jimmy McGill had with Mike, uh, Ehrman trout, Walter white and Chuck McGill, Uh, considering what they would do if they could travel back in time. Mike says he would stop himself from taking his first bribe. Saul replies he would invest and become rich, to which Mike reacts incredulously. Walter scoffs at the idea of time travel and insists upon discussing regrets, expressing that he would have stayed at Grey Matter Technologies. Saul regrets injuring his knee during a cheap scam, and Walter recognizes that Saul has always had inherent criminal traits. Chuck asked Jimmy. I'll, I'll stop there. Wait, I, the one last. Thing. Chuck asked Jimmy if he ever right, considered right, finish, a different career path, up. but Jimmy counters that Chuck himself never did. 
So that we can we can stop there. What are, what are your thoughts on just this ongoing theme we covered in the episode? Yeah. So what I think the Walter White scene was setting up was the fact that Jimmy McGill, or better call Saul, Saul Goodman, has always been sort of irredeemable, has always been selfish, always been sort of a huckster is probably the best way to put it. And you think the episode is going to end that way, and that makes the payoff of Better Call Saul, or I don't know why I keep saying that, Saul Goodman uh, actually confessing at the end very surprising and shocking and made that payoff a lot better. I also like what they did with color. The fact that the future episodes throughout the entire season are all black and white and the present day past are in color really makes it show and symbolizes how drab and dull their lives have been since Kim and Jimmy have separated. Mm-hmm. All all in black and white in the future except for the flame um, and the of cigarette. Kim Wexler's yeah. uh, that's because that's the last time Lighter. they'll ever be together and the last time they are together. Note the color. Color, Jimmy and Kim are together, black and white. They're apart. Beautiful. Um, I I loved the Walter White scene. Um, I, I think people who've watched both Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul understand Mike Ehrmantraut and why he is the way that he is. Um, I thought the Walter White scene perfectly... Um, encapsulated his character throughout this entire, you know, what is it, 14 seasons of television um, yep. where he is just like this this maniac hell-bent on, on perfection and, and, you know, how the world works and, and you know, doesn't understand anyone else's per- point of view. And I thought that the throwback to the, to the light bulb and doing stuff around the house with Skylar White with the water heater in this scene was like, really actually very funny. Um, Brian Cranston's like just a killer. Like he just picks it up right away. So I thought that part was really good. I, uh, I personally, I really liked, uh, I liked the scene that he had with his brother. Uh, I thought that was pretty, I thought it was pretty profound. And there, I saw one, uh, theory that, that, that the conversation he has with his brother in which, um, Chuck shows interest in Jimmy's work for the first time. He like sort of recognizes that he's doing something nice for him and Jimmy sort of rebuffs his interest. Um, there's a theory that this occurred the night before the first, the pilot episode, which I kind of liked sort of, uh, very much sticking with the theme of a time machine going back to these moments of regret. And it's interesting that, uh, I liked that it was just hinging on such a small thing. Uh, the idea that Chuck showing compassion this one time and if it had been followed through, uh, whether that changes the course of everything, you know. Um, but overall, yeah, part of the issue being Jimmy didn't feel he was good enough for Chuck and that sort of led him down the path. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways, I feel like what this episode did very well through different scenes is we really got to see. Uh, we got we got a good view of a goodbye to Gene. We got a goodbye to uh, Saul, and we got a goodbye to Jimmy, uh, or, or probably James, as he might become as the episode progresses. <laughs> uh, but I did. I overall, did you guys like this uh, this motif of the time machine and like ask bringing in these other characters, or did you think it was too fan servicey? No, I, I thought it worked well because it set everything up. Yeah, I mean, it's, it wasn't just fan service for the sake of fan service. It actually made the payoff at the end better. 
Yeah, I mean, you could probably make the argument that the entire series is fan service, um, but that doesn't mean that it was not well done throughout nah, the whole thing. Nah, it's if just they were like, going to just do fan service, they would have just done the drug underworld and kept going more on that. They wouldn't have given you two seasons of extreme uh, nitty-gritty trial litigation <laughs> law firm life. It was interesting. It's, it's all appreciated. Doc review after doc review after doc review. It was interesting <laughs> because, uh, yeah, of course, like Walter expresses his regret about the gray matter thing, and some people were like, well, he really would have... Uh, he really is like overlooking the stuff with uh, that happened to his brother-in-law, uh, and of course, like his wife and all that stuff. But truthfully, I honestly think Walter was being 100% honest. I think he rationalized every bad thing he does during Breaking Bad, and he thinks, "Oh, well, if only, if only this hadn't happened, I would have never done all of these terrible things." So this is the true mistake. Yeah, exactly. Which is, uh, and, and there's no evidence that that Gretchen and her husband ever like screwed him out of anything. Like it could have been. There's just as much evidence through everything Walter White did in you know Breaking Bad that it was all his fault that that all fell apart. Yeah, and he was too proud to accept help. Right. But yeah, so that was uh, it. Was very interesting seeing. Uh, that scene I thought encapsulated Walter just perfectly in terms of you kind of forget what a fucking asshole he is. Uh, and like you get this five second flashback and Brian Cranston just goes right back to it. It's like this is even like post Heisenberg and he's still just a fucking dweeb. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I uh, respects we'll go- the science too much. So this now we can dip into uh, the actual episode. Uh, so we're going to do this in chunks, so stick with me. Uh, so we got, in the present, Gene flees Marion's house and evades the authorities before being apprehended in a dumpster while attempting to call Ed Galbraith. In jail, he contacts Bill Oakley and obtains his services. Facing a life sentence plus 190 years, Saul is offered a deal of 30 years. Saul requests Mary, Mary Schrader, Hank Schrader's widow, to enter the room. She accuses Saul of being complicit in Hank's death, though his associ- through his association with Walter. Saul convinces the lead assistant U.S. attorney that he could influence a jury into a deadlock by portraying himself as a victim of Walter. Bill and Saul negotiate a seven-and-a-half-year sentence, but further talks end when Saul offers information about Howard Hamlin's death, unaware that Kim Wexler had already done so. On a flight to Albuquerque for sentencing, Saul learns that Howard's widow, Cheryl, may file a civil suit against Kem. He tells Bill, in the U.S. Marshal's presence, that he will testify further information relating to Kem. So we can, like, start with uh, Gene fleeing Marion's house. It, I think it was set up pretty cleanly for Carol Burnett, who played Marion. Uh, she's a very, very famous uh, uh, yeah, comedian. She killed uh, it. She killed it, and I thought uh, it was perfect that ultimately, I think it was telegraphed a little bit that uh, she would be the one to finally like uncover Saul. But the fact that uh, she did, it was a, her medical alert bracelet. I thought, like that's that was the thing that really set it off. I I really liked. Yeah, you got the tie-ins. I'm a sucker to, for life alert. Yeah, you've got the tie-ins to the nursing home that you know. The older people that he wasn't necessarily scamming throughout older the earlier law. seasons, but like, um, you know, taking advantage of them to help them as well, you know, to help himself. He was not being their advocate. He was using Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, that was a cool tie in for me. Um, 
the scene in the dumpster. I think that's where it all turned for him, right? Like he knows he's going to get caught. Um, what was your reaction? And, and I think when that he, this is the. What was your reaction when he spilled the diamonds? I literally gasped when he spilled the. Diamonds. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> it was great. Uh, I I did think, of course, it was a throwback to uh, earlier when he was uh, like at the old age home. He also went into a dumpster to find files, and of course, he gets found. What did you guys think? I I didn't see one theory anywhere that Marie Schrader would play a part in the finale. What did you think of her? I thought it was pretty weird that she was brought into the room. That took me out of it a little bit. I don't know. What do you guys think yeah, of that Yeah, I don't choice? know if that would have ever actually happened in a settlement discussion. That that Doesn't, was not tr- that that was like truly fan service, right? It also seemed unnecessary. But like also does anyone She could really have just care? shown up in the trial courtroom. Um my favorite thing relating to the to her whole appearance was um, when she's talking to the prosecutor and she's like, you know, my husband's buried among these rocks. And like, I saw the, the throwback to, to Hank saying like, they're not rocks, Marie, they're minerals. <laughs> 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 but that's about all like, that's about all the enjoyment I got out of it. Like other than, other than like seeing an old character that like, you know, no. y- you were with for eight plus seasons. It was just like, hmm, okay. Marie Schrader's there. I thought it was cool to see, to get the name right, Saul go out on a win here with just some extreme, extremely impressive negotiation tactics to get that sentence down to seven years in a low security prison with ice cream weekly. Like it never made sense, but I think that's the beauty of it is that a lot of the stuff he did never made sense and the counterparties would always just agree to it because he had such good charisma. I, and it was cool to see that last win. I think it was one of the very interesting parts was uh, when Gene turns into Saul. And it's when Gene is, uh, he's walking around inside that like, uh, solitary cell. That solitary cell. Yeah. And then uh, he sees the reference to being reamed and he thinks of Bill Oakley. And that's the first time <laughs> I think it occurs. It seems like the wheels finally turn that it's like, you know what? I'm fucking Saul Goodman. This is my arena. I'm back. Like there, yeah. He like came back to you're life. You're not in here with like you're like I'm not in here with you. You're in here with me. Um, and I I really liked and I guess to put a bow on it and on just like the Hank and Marie thing. This is one thing I was wondering what would be brought up, but like that those barrels of cash are still in the desert, right? From Breaking Bad. Yeah, gotta be. Yeah, for sure. I was Gotta wondering be. whether that those would... weren't those weren't addressed in El Camino, right? Not that I know yes, of. Yes, I. I don't remember that, anyways. Uh, if we overlook um, the barrels, let me know. But I was wondering whether those would come into play, and I guess they're just sitting out there. Honestly, if they're gonna start a new it's series, probably it so might much be person who stumbles across the barrels, right? <laughs> yeah, and then into the next New Mexico uh, porn series, just about some other weird normal day job who, uh, who gets rich like winning the lottery so yeah, cool we can uh oh i i one of the things i really thought also was interesting about the sentencing part in particular was mostly that uh and it showed the difference like they just drew the line between who bill oakley was and who saul Goodman was which was like when bill heard that uh the prosecutor had never lost a case before he's like holy shit this guy's never lost a case before but when saul heard that he knew Oh, that means this guy's never taken a hard case to trial. 
Yeah, uh, he's willing yeah. to settle. And uh, it was pretty. It, so he sort the way he sort of played him. We didn't get to. I would have. I would have hated seeing a little more of the negotiation. How they got him down to seven seven and a half years, even though they they, they couldn't have shown it because it wouldn't have made sense. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> like it just straight up wouldn't have. <laughs> the judge was absolutely right. Um, nine I nine and a half. I do that agree must. with the general idea that, like, I think Marie would have been just as effective at cameo if you just saw her in the courtroom at the end, as opposed to yeah, didn't even necessarily need to say anything. Uh, but I guess uh, we can go move on, which is uh, the 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 end part, which kept things going, which is uh, when Saul finds out that Kem is involved and has admitted. Uh, all this stuff about Howard's death, um, and ultimately that, uh, and ultimately, like it seems like as soon as Saul hears about Kim, his everything changes. It seems like the whole game, the whole plan. I think that's when the real end game goes into motion. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Um, once he's caught, there there's only one thing in his life that, you know, is, is this untouchable thing. And that's Kim, his love for Kim Wexler. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't think, um, yeah, I, he's taken, he takes the deal otherwise. Yeah. All those years of, of being Gene and cooking the Cinnabons, like Kim, it, everything with Kim was always still there for him. Like you saw it with the phone caller in the season where, um, you know, he's like, he, he haven't talked to you for a while. And it's like, he tries to, to pick it up. Like, nothing happened you know and it's just like normal phone call but everything that happened between them like i don't know he just like couldn't turn his back on that stuff and and kim did give him a little bit of hope at the end of that phone call which is important which allowed saul to lay this plan yeah saying i hope you confess but i'm glad you're alive yeah uh so we can uh, moving on to the next part of the episode in Florida, Kim is contacted by district attorney, Susan Erickson, who warns her that Saul's testimony could affect her. Kim attends the sentencing where Saul admits he lied to get her in the room. He confesses to participating in Walter's schemes and admits his role in Chuck's suicide before declaring he is James McGill. Uh, this is of course, so this is overlooking. I think one of the most uh, pivotal scenes uh, in the Breaking Bad universe, but it was really the last twist uh, in in all of in the series. Uh, you knew something was up. One when he walked into the courtroom wearing that fucking suit, uh, like <laughs> the silver was, suit that popped in the black and white. That was such a nice. Uh, that was such a nice touch. And then you heard him right before it started. He said, "Showtime." It's showtime. Uh, which was also also a nice touch and i think like so i want to hear uh your your theory about why saul self-sabotaged here i don't think it was a self-sabotage uh so i think that saul realized that he had not lived even though he'd been free he wasn't actually free in the same way kim's been struggling with that in her own right by trying to confess and that the only way he can progress with his life even if that's a life behind bars is to basically shed the weight 
of his past transgressions and come out anew, whether that turns out to be Saul Goodman or James McGill. And I think that that's a little bit open-ended when we fast forward to the bus scene. But in any event, he's no longer Gene. And Gene was killing him. And that's why he decided to do it. Because the one thing, he knew that this was also the only way Kim could actually move on with her life. So he needed to do this for both of them. Yeah, I don't know that I have much to add to that. I think that's that's pretty much it right there. Um, you know, I think that's what you read, um, turning turning in the you know in the middle of his um, declaration to the judge, turning to Kim and seeing her face and knowing like, hey, I I haven't gone far enough with this yet. Like, I also need to get this um, get this plan with my brother off my chest. Get his you know the cause for his suicide off my chest. Um, even though it's like I, the funniest shit was the was Bill Oakley, you know, I, I don't want to be on this case anymore. And the judge <laughs> like, well, you're, not. you're stuck. Absolutely like, you're, not. You're, no, no, no. You're stuck, you're not buddy. Leaving. Sorry. Um, but like, We're that was the funniest part this. where it's like, this isn't a crime. So like, don't, don't do this. And he's just like, well, I have to like, because you know, if I'm going to do this like full redemption, I'm going to come clean about everything. Like that's part of it too. Yeah. You know, that, that's exactly right. Bringing that in is important because it's just him shedding all that baggage. Yeah. I um, I thought it was it, truly, it was just really awesome. It, it, <laughs> it was, was truly, a great moment. It was truly brilliant storytelling to give us that one last twist, and the one last twist is is Saul taking the rap, and it is like actually facing consequences, which is what he Slip and Jimmy never did, right? Uh, I yeah. did think to Rayman's point is like, uh, and this is touched on by like Walter, uh, which is you're always going to be like this. Like I think. Saul, even Jimmy, when he's in prison, he's still going to be scamming. He's still going to be scheming. I bet you could do a whole series about the shit he pulls, getting it over on the guards. I think he realizes in any arena, he's always going to be like this. Uh, The difference is now he actually acknowledges. It feels like he, rather than running away from it for the first time and running away from the consequence of it, he acknowledges it for what it is. Um. And I, and I really yeah, liked... sad part is he he ended up at the Alcatraz of the Rockies. <laughs> it looked but he, he's he looked like he got to make bread there. He seemed like uh Yeah, like the baking of the bread didn't look any worse than the baking of the Cinnabon, and I think that they did that intentionally. <laughs> For sure. Cinnabon like, delicious though. I uh, prison bread, well, not the, so much. The fake smell certainly is. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely I think especially when you consider the shift even this moment to the end of the previous episode when I really thought he was going to strangle that old lady. (laughs) And he sort of goes from that to this sort of coming around. But I also appreciate the fun of giving us like one last twist, you know, like one last sort of hijink. Um, We can go on. Well, that's the thing you've seen. You've seen everything he's capable of. Like, is he, and you don't bat your eye for a second that he's capable of murdering someone, you know, when yeah. it comes to escaping and, it was and the one, keeping yeah, up it, his his whole thing where it's just like, I'll I'll get out of this one, too. If I have to do this, I'll do it. That was the one thing is he was never it was never he's he never resorted to violence in any of these. I guess you can argue he boxed with uh, Howard, uh, but he got, I think I was asking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But okay, so the next part we uh, this is uh, so closing it out. So James is sentenced to eight to six years in federal prison, where he's revealed by fellow inmates who recognize him as Saul. 
Kem visits him and over a cigarette discusses how his testimony affected his plea deal. James jokingly suggests with good behavior, who knows? As Kem departs, she sees James in the prison yard who shoots her with finger guns. Kem acknowledges the gesture and leaves. End of series. And that's it. Um, I think it was, I am not 100% certain, but I think it was a throwback there last scene with the cigarette where, you know, they, they speak 20 words to each other. Um, it was kind of a throwback to one of their first moments in the series where they're in the courtroom, they go to the parking lot or parking garage and, and smoke cigarettes. Um, but it, it was just like, she was, she was the glue the whole time. Like it, and it one last moment. Yeah, it wasn't, um, I don't know that it was always like that. There was a certain moment where it flipped, where she was just like this um, force on the show, and and like the the ending had to include her because you know she needed her closure as well as as him. You know, even though the the show is better, call Saul like Kim Wexler needed her closure. We needed to know what happened with Kim. Yeah. So I, I think if you go to the last three shots of the episode, those are very telling. So the third to last shot is and go back and watch this it's Saul behind bars Kim is walking down the alley way to leave at the exit but she's also behind a separate fence and the way the camera pans it looks like they're both in jail and they're separated by two uh barbed wire fences which I think is symbolizing that they will never be completely free or happy because they can't be together going back to the sort of same color versus black and white with Kim without Kim thing and then you see Jimmy with the finger guns kind of showing like hey actually he's going to be okay in prison this was actually a positive thing compared to gene and then the third the final shot is sort of just like the gate closing which is or the the camera goes behind a wall i think slowly and diagonally which is basically putting a close like okay no actually he's not going to be okay (laughs) he's in jail and he's not coming out and that's the last you're going to hear of saul goodman and jimmy mcgill i mean I guess the there's only, no redemption. The only there's thing, no there's no Kim coming back. The only thing I disagree with is that I honestly think he's gonna love it there. Like I think I think Saul is like in his element in jail because like when you watched him like that was the thing that was like very interesting about him is like the scenes where he seemed really him like really great is when he was dealing with those low level criminals when he was dealing he likes. This is his people. Like, and I guess that was always the thing. Like, amongst the the, bus, the bus cheers for him. Like, well, oh, like this is Saul. Jimmy, fucking good Jimmy that, I think that's when he realized he didn't have to be James yeah, McGill. He well, thought he wanted to be. All he wanted to be was Saul Goodman. Yeah, Jimmy McGill would but never. Not a even when he got this huge case, he would never get the respect of HHM and all these other lawyers. Like, it didn't matter. But in this arena, he's a king. He's the man. Yeah. And I think he found... He's going to do so many appeals for cigarettes. He'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. So I really thought the way... We can talk more about just like the series or the season as a whole. I thought it was interesting. I feel like this series really had two goals. And it, one of the goal, one of the things took six and a half seasons. And then they spent the last half with the other. So the first was how did he become Saul Goodman? They spent six and a half seasons really 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 going into that and then this last half of the season was how did he get caught uh and it was interesting i read a uh it was an interview with uh peter gold that he did that i read that he did with rolling stone because uh, i'm cultured as fuck um and uh it says (laughs) we love the stone well in terms of peter gold's uh one of the co-creators and he said 
they got clarity on how the series would play out while they were writing for season five. That was when they decided in a general way that like Saul would go to prison. And I think if you watch the show, you can see it really comes together really after that. That was one of the things they were very famous for him and Vince uh, Gilligan, who made the show. They would write themselves into corners and then come with come up with creative ways to get out of it. I, if yeah. I had one scruple with the series, and I, you guys might disagree with me, but I feel like we didn't get that many scenes of peak Saul Goodman. Like we got a shot of the HB of the FBI. Uh, HBO. We got a search long. We got a long like search of like the FBI searching his place. We got a short scene of Saul's life after him and Kim break up, but we never really got like, how did Saul get that place? How did he decorate it? How did like the I like? Yeah, I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah, just like it would have been fun. It would have been a fun episode. Yeah, I think if we had gotten a little more on his come up and, while recognizing that the important thing was he got there because he was heartbroken by Kim and it was all empty and none of it was real. I think that was the message they wanted more, but I would have loved some, like we know, I just like, I don't think Heisenberg was the first big meth dealer he dealt with basically. Like, I don't think I'm sure there was other shit he'd covered up that was like really fucked up or that he'd completely compromised. Yeah. And I'm glad you bring that up because I I don't think we should be exclusively positive about the finale. So why don't we all go around the circle and say our least favorite thing about the BCS finale? I'll start with you, Capper. I have nothing. How dare you? You liked it all? Um, I, I legit think those... those um, Gilligan and Gould, like those are maybe the two best um, plane landers in the history of television. Man, if only they had finished Game of Thrones. Like, yeah, like I want them to finish all my shows now. If they had just given like them. I, I don't, I don't think I trust anyone more to end a show. Um, like the way it probably like you know it, nothing's gonna be perfect, but like they they pretty much. Um, there's no, there's well, just so much like thought and care put into all, so we'll all go this to stuff. Jeff. Yeah, my I do think my least favorite thing probably was the Marie thing that was a little forced. I might not have started. I don't know if I need another scene with Mike necessarily uh, at the very beginning. I thought that was, I get that they were like introducing a theme. Um, those are two areas that I might've cut around. Um, but and overall, they replaced him with a, with a automated machine. But overall, I thought, I thought that the real, uh, I thought that the real genius was if you had told me that Saul would end up getting caught and end up being sentenced to prison for 86 years, and it would be a win for his character, I would say I don't logically understand how that's possible from a narrative perspective. So I agree with Capper that it's fucking genius. But Rain Man, yeah, they, I'm curious, I mean, they landed what, the plane, I'm curious no what your take yeah, is, because you clearly have something. Oh, yeah, and this is super cheap. Uh, yeah, so my biggest problem with the finale of the BCS was that the fucking Knowles beat Auburn and James Winston grab her by the pussy, uh, launching Jimbo Fisher's career and led him to Texas A&M to be the worst head coach of all time or most contemptible, not the worst. Uh, yeah, just really, really wish that hadn't happened. If we had done the college football playoff one year earlier, we could have you know, ended all that before it even started. Sort of like Walter White's biggest regret. That's... Um... That's quite the payoff for this pod. 
right there. Thank you. I think, uh, <laughs> it's like you just set that up over 40 fucking minutes. You're a dickhead. You're waiting the whole podcast. Yeah, I, I literally, the entire concept <laughs> for the for the podcast was just for that one joke, but I couldn't figure out how to work it in. Uh, <laughs> I'm not that funny. Well, well kudos. For, the problem. Yeah. Uh, well, for what it, for what it's worth, uh, it, you, you barely did. Uh... <laughs>